how do we keep from being political and our politics good? Let's talk about that today on the Nonpartisan Evangelical. All right, this is the Nonpartisan Evangelical. I am Paul Swearingen. I am the Nonpartisan Evangelical, where we fight against the political mindset of the Evangelical Church and say, what in the heck is going on here? Glad you're with us today on the Nonpartisan Evangelical. I have with me Oliver Baines, former city council member, former police officer, and and now what do you tell us what you're doing now? You're doing some cool stuff to kind of I, help the economy of Central California. Hey, I, I'm I uh, I'm very lucky, Paul. Uh, so what I do, I'm the president and CEO of the Central Valley New Market Tax Credit Fund, uh, and you know I, I take uh, new market tax credit allocations and invest them in low income uh, uh, pro- uh, projects and low income communities. So I, I it, it's. Really, really complicated stuff, but it's great work. I mean, I I, I love it. I wow! Love it. And I and I still am the founder of the Valley Apprenticeship Connections Program, which is, uh, as you know, my workforce development program. I, before I came here, I was there. Okay. Uh, and I stay very connected to that program, uh, doing what I can to support the staff, support the work. Uh, you know, I feel deeply and strongly about poverty, and my contribution to ending poverty is that program. So. Yeah. Why? Why? I guess before we get into the topic, what, uh, like we said, former city council member, would you registered Democrat? Is that correct? Uh, yeah, registered okay. Democrat. All right, guy, of, man of faith, and those are all the things we covered last time you were on. And I got great response from people hearing you on. Last well, time. I'm absolutely flattered. I think I was sharing with you <laughs> offline that uh, uh, a mutual friend of ours, uh, you know, shared with me that she'd actually heard the first podcast and and was. You know, thanking thanking me and you for the discussion that it was such a worthwhile discussion. So I was I'm totally flattered. Yeah. So tell me a little bit before we get into the topic we're diving into poverty. Why does poverty? Why is that so important to you? You know, I, um, oh man, where do I begin? Um, Not that you're for poverty. No, ending no, no. poverty is so ending, important. To you. Ending poverty because I truly believe that in Fresno, and I and I'm only going to speak about Fresno because I don't live in any other community. Yeah. But there's no reason for poverty to exist here in Fresno. Mm. And I'm convinced of that and no one convinced me can convince me otherwise. Right. I think that we do we don't do a great job of aligning our public policy and investment strategies in the private sector with the goal of ending poverty. Mm. I think people like to talk about it. I think it's a great bumper sticker, but um, there are communities not so far from us, for instance, no one would ever confuse Clovis as a poor community. They're literally are next door to us. We right. don't have to go far uh, to see where um, communities aren't poor. So I think that we suffer from an, uh, a poverty mindset in Fresno because we don't realize we don't have to be poor. That, 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 that's not a condition that has to exist in Fresno, except we've got to fight our way out of it but it's through smart, intelligent investment and strategy that we can do that. And we just haven't done a great job of it. Hmm. But we but, you know, but we can. So uh, I can't do it all. So, uh, of course, no one, no one can. But I said that I'm going to do things that impact the thing that means the most to me. Yeah. And it's moving people out of poverty. I, regularly, our program, you know, takes a young man or woman that uh, has significant social barriers uh, that are poor. And we move them out of poverty, you know, literally moving them off of, you know, uh, uh, welfare or, you know, making sure that whether or not they had a a felony or a misdemeanor in their record, they get employment, gainful employment. I'm talking, you know, jobs that are middle class, middle wage jobs. Uh, So it's, you know, that's what I that's what I do. It's what I feel strongly about. That is the work that wakes me up in the morning uh, that keeps me going. So, so yeah. And is it fair to say that, because uh, I, I know this is an issue for my wife and I that are that's really on our hearts right now, but that, that a lot of the problems we see as far as crime and gangs and the, it, it can be directly tied to, to poverty and, and Absolutely. the inequality of opportunity for different parts of the community. You know, no question. Yeah. No question that, that the majority of social ills are, can be linked to poverty. 
except we don't have to be poor right now um it's not easy to not be poor i don't want to i don't want to understate the 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 challenge but but if we do every if we make every decision that we can through a lens of does this end poverty is this helping to end poverty are we moving people out of poverty mm. with the way we spend our dollars with the way our investment strategies our education strategies all of it should be linked to uh, in my opinion, my humble opinion, all of that should be linked to the goal of ending poverty. That's interesting. Yeah, and, and I hear sometimes from people, "Well, you know, we, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Why can't those people do that? We've we've thrown tons of money at that, and and to know, you know, what do you say to people that say, "Yeah, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps," like I did? Yeah, well, um, there's some we, truth we, to it. I guess. it there, there is. I, yeah. And I don't. And to be be candid with you, I don't outright dismiss right. that statement because yes, people do need to pull themselves up. I don't disagree with that. However, I, I will add to that that we, as leadership in in this community, uh, need to ensure that the investments that we make uh, are allowing that to actually occur and happen. And literally um, uh, uh, accounting for people that have significant social barriers that want to better themselves. Right. So we can't do anything with a person that doesn't want to. I'll give everyone that. But what I can tell you is the vast majority of people, when I say vast, the 90th percentile of people Mm -hmm. don't want to be poor. Right. And are willing to change if given the right opportunity. And I'm not talking about giving someone a job, uh, but we, we ought to be uh, investing in programs that prepare a person to be gainfully empo- employed. Yeah. And when we spend uh, uh, public dollars, and, and I think the private sector has as much responsibility as the public sector, but definitely the public sector, when we spend those dollars, we should make sure that we are uh, pulling people up along with those dollars. You know, pulling people that don't want to be uh, in poverty out of poverty, giving them the opportunity. Uh, to 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 not to, you know to move into gainful employment. So mm-hmm. uh, I just think we have to make smarter investments. Other communities are doing it. I can tell you that in my little program over the last you know three and a half years or so, you know we put two hundred forty people, two hundred forty almost two hundred fifty people to work, right? And and you know the average the average wage that they earn is you know twenty one dollars and forty three cent an hour. You know, so no, it's not super rich, but I'll tell you, man, it's a whole heck of a lot better than minimum wage. Yeah. You know, the you know, the, the, the folks that we put to work and take their families to dinner. And I'll tell you where I started this, Paul. I, I just really wanted people um, to be able to enjoy the same things that I do. Mm-hmm. I, I want my students to be able to eat at the same restaurant that I eat at. Uh, I want them to be able to take their kids to Disneyland like I do. Uh, just I, I just they didn't want anything more. They just want the same thing. Yeah. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with people wanting to aspire you know, to, to have nice things for their families to, And I don't think anyone should be against people being able to take their family on vacation or have a, a dinner in a nice restaurant. You know, we should want that for, you know, for our residents in the city. And I do very much so. Yeah. And I, I, I think most people would not disagree with that. Uh, they just, they don't feel responsibility to help people to get there. I guess the, the saying is some, sometimes, for somebody to pull themselves up by the bootstraps, you may have to give them a pair of boots to, to be able to pull them up. Sure. Now, listen, now that that's true in the private sector. I will, I will grant that the public sector to me has a completely different obligation to people. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, public dollars should absolutely be spent with the intent of, you know, moving people out of poverty when we can. Yeah. So that, you know, I think we do as have an obligation, uh, for our public leadership to be viewing things through that lens. Hmm. Uh, you know, the private sector, you know, hopefully we have people that have good hearts and, you know, want to do that type of work. Um, but if not, you know, you can't necessarily blame them. Uh, but the, the public sector, I think, is, is a different. Is You're a different not sounding thing. like a Democrat on this issue. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, what I, you know, what I often tell people is um, you give me an issue. I'll tell you whether I'm a Republican or Democrat. You know, <laughs> yeah. It definitely is about the issue. Yeah. Well, and that goes to our, our topic today of, of politics. And so you were a, an elected official and you were telling me before we came on the air, you don't like politics. No, no, I don't. I don't like politics at all. Uh, 
Yeah, I I I think that um, I I served this community not to be a politician. I wanted to I wanted to create good public policy. I wanted to help as many people as I could. Um, but I saw the politics, and uh, it was it was very frustrating, mm-hmm. actually, um, to the point where I don't miss it at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's define because I, I'm a. I have a saying. I say a lot. I, I that I think God hates politics and loves government. Uh, sure. And, and so let's define. How do you see? How do you see politics? How do you define politics that that you? Because I think you enjoyed being a, a government official. I, I did. I, I listen. Uh, that work that I was able to do as a public policy maker, a government official was some of the most gratifying work I've ever been allowed to do. It was a great privilege to do that work. Um, The political uh, side of it and and defining it as making for me, politics is the the um, the narrow lens. And I don't know if I have a great uh, definition for it, but it's kind of a narrow lens at which you see issues. Um, You know, uh, one of the things George Washington was worried about, funny enough, is is a party system. Yeah. Um, it didn't take long for us to get there. You know, I tell you, by the time uh, I think by the time we had uh, Thomas Jefferson, we had a party system already, <laughs> you know, third president. So, yeah. But and not hearing that when I was a kid and even as a young adult, I never understood why until I was an elected official. And I realized how disappointing and disappointed I was in watching and seeing, you know, what otherwise are good people literally make decision just because of politics mm. it's very disheartening you know it, it really is um you know there's nothing and you'll appreciate this Paul government works complicated work it's not easy yeah. it's not black and white either you know there are a lot of areas of gray except people want to make it black and white but it's really not it's complicated stuff that we have to figure out to run a city or to run a government or run a state run a country you know get you know, run a school district, pick your one. It's all complicated stuff. None of it's really easy except people want to dumb it down and make it easy. And instead of uh, elected officials explaining and being honest with the complexity of the issues that we deal with, uh, they literally wanted to, in my opinion, you know, at times dumb some of the, the really complicated stuff down. uh, And instead of explaining it to our residents, uh, and we see this all the time, you know, people try to make these issues really easy and just do this. Just there's no just do anything. Right. It's complicated stuff. Um, and instead of working through those complications in a legitimate way, uh, they took the eat. You know, many times politicians will take the easy way out and just bend to the quote unquote will of the people because the people don't know the true complications of the issue. Yeah. Um, but we do. We really do know the complications of the issue. We appreciate it. And so many times I will watch, you know, electeds just, uh, you know, um, choose to uh, really go a political route so they can, you know, make what they see as their quote unquote base, whatever that means, happy. But it was poor decisions. Yeah. Poor decisions. So. So, yeah, I I got tired of I I really got tired of, of just being in an environment like that um being in a world like that and i'm not necessarily saying just uh fresno city politics there was definitely that that went on in fresno city politics but i was able to view it at at the entire lens of state politics and you know federal as well i mean it just it was disappointing to watch that happen and sadly you know the constituency encourages it yeah (laughs) people encourage (laughs) it it's really interesting that's true People actually encourage the dumbing down of of complicated issues. Well, I think we're seeing that in Congress now. That yeah. the guys that uh, the guy the, the people I should say that that don't want to play to the extremes of their party are resigning because they, they Abs- just, yeah it's yeah. it's 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 awful to see yeah it really is it, it really is awful I mean and with gerrymandered districts and all those things then you have right. elected officials that can't do anything but play to the extremes of their base well no they have a choice yeah i'm gonna be honest with you it's hard work it's very hard work explaining the truth about what these issues are um and 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 really they're elected to do that 
you know, so I, I don't really let them off the hook because of their base. They need to or because of their they need to talk to their residents yeah. and they need to tell them the truth. You know, these are these are complicated issues that need to be figured out. And we were elected to do that. It's not easy work. Yeah. And so many times, um, uh, you know, I would many, many on many occasions, I can tell you that I would have a constituent of mine come to my office or set up a meeting and really want an explanation of why I voted a certain way or why I was thinking about voting a certain way or why I was supporting this policy. And I would tell them why. And I'm not necessarily seeking agreement. That's not the idea, but you do need to explain why. Right. And that's okay. That is absolutely okay to take the time to explain to the people why we're voting a certain way or why we believe a certain way. And if they feel differently, that's okay too. The other thing is, you know, I found a lot of electeds were worried about a constituent disagreeing with them. Right. You, you know, <laughs> and so here's the folly, the, job, the, the folly of electeds is we think everyone has to agree with us. And that's not true either. People are big boys and girls. They're okay. They're okay if we if we don't agree with them on every single issue. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? It's it's okay to have a difference of opinion. You know, so I, I find it, you know, sometimes politicians trying to be all things, all people. Well, you can't. Yeah. You know, you really can't. And it's okay. You know, and I think that's a really important thing. And, and even for a citizen, because, uh, you know, I guess I define politics by if you feel like you have to choose an ideology or a, or a tribe over the right answer or for an elected official, if I have to choose what gets me to my next election. Yep over the right answer then you know you're you're playing politics rather no, than that's right. government but and as I, a as a citizen when everything has to fit our ideology and we can never go after an answer that may not seem exactly like where we are even though it is the right thing to do or we're not even willing to consider that's the right thing to do yeah that's when we've entered into no, something that, of a political mindset no that's right and it's a lot and actually paul there's a sadly in my opinion this country is going through a spirit like that. Yeah. Uh, where, where I uh, listen to uh, politicians talk. I listen to some of these folks talks and literally they don't even want to hear the truth. Yeah. I mean, it, it really, it's actually stunning, right? To, to listen to people not even want to hear facts and deliberate and make decisions. Yeah. Whether and I'm seeing it, I'm seeing it not only with, you know, constituents and residents, but I'm seeing it with politicians that, oh, I'm not going to read that or I don't listen to. I'm like, oh, my gosh, really? Hmm. You know, I just and and somehow it's a badge of honor to be ignorant. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's it's really it's it's really something. (laughs) That is something that's scary. Yeah, it's very scary, which is one of the reasons why I've stepped away from from uh, from politics, because, you know, I thought I actually believe it was a very sacred thing to be elected, mm-hmm. you know, and, and in representative democracy, what I honestly believe it was one of the most humbling times in my life to be elected because really what people do when they elect you in America and in, in the way we practice democracy is they are telling you they are giving you the right to make decisions on their behalf. Yeah, that's what they do when they vote for us. Yeah. And they don't know us. Not really. Some of us do. I mean, our friends and family. But once you leave your friends and family, you know, all people are just hoping is is that you're a good person. They're just hoping. Yeah. And that's faith. So here you go. I woke up. I remember when I was elected, I woke up that, that, that moment I got sworn in and it was a humbling experience to think like, wow, all these people voted for me. They don't know me. They just put faith in me and they hope. I'm the guy that I said I am. Yeah. Really. And I could never betray that trust to them um, because of the faith that they put in me. Uh, so I always did my very best to make the decisions for the right reasons. And I wasn't worried about um, agreement with everyone all the time. I wasn't put there to agree with everyone. Yeah. It's not the idea. Yeah. What, what they wanted from me is they were going to, they wanted me to, make the best decision I could with the information that I had and for it to be what I believed in. Right. So uh, it's a fine line between representing your own personal interests and those of the, of your residents, but uh, your constituents, but uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, 
it was a humbling time for me. And I and I don't feel like our a lot of our politicians have the humility of the office that they hold right now. How how do they get there? I, I you know Jared Nadler, who's one of the committee chairs now, a Democrat. Um, he called the impeachment of Bill Clinton a coup, uh, and <laughs> and you know now has had to sort of eat those words as the Republicans are now calling it a coup. And, <laughs> right. and then on the other side, you have Lindsey Graham, who had so many high-minded things to say in the Clinton impeachment. So the point I'm trying to make is you don't even have to be convicted of a crime to lose your job in this constitutional republic. If this body determines that your conduct as a public official is clearly out of bounds in your role, because impeachment is not about punishment. Impeachment is about cleansing the office. Impeachment is about restoring honor and integrity to the office. And now today, I'm not here to tell you that Donald Trump's done nothing wrong. I'm not here to tell you uh, anything other than that the way they're going about it is really dangerous for the country. I don't know how he doesn't break a bone. He has to contort himself so much to protect the president. Yeah. How do you get there? I oh, I don't ever want to know. <laughs> I really don't. It's awful. You know, there was a time when I probably had some respect for Lindsey Graham. Yeah. Uh, but what just a sycophant that he has turned out. It's awful. He is completely him and others have just completely forgotten their obligation and duty to this country. I don't even understand. I mean, where are the true patriots of this country? at? Mm. it's so deep to me. It's so disappointing. I listened to that and to almost worship another human being and forget about your obligation, the oath of office that you took to this country is stunning to me. Yeah. It's stunning. It really is. And, and, and I'm, we're talking about Lindsey Graham right now, but listen, man, we could do both sides, both parties right. on all of this stuff. And it is just, it is so very sad. Um, and what's even more frightening is that he believes that that's what he needs to do to get elected. Yeah. I mean, do you think that's why he does it? Because he's afraid Absolutely. of getting primaried by yeah, the president? He is. And, yeah. and which, what is that saying about the, the state of South Carolina, that that's what he thinks about them? Yeah. I, I just, I would be insulted if he represented me. Completely insulted. Uh, it's, it would be an insult because I, you know, the only thing I can surmise is either one or two things when you talk about it, you know, something like this is either he believes that that's what his constituents want him to do. Or he really believes it. Yeah. Either, either reason's awful, but I suspect the the former is true. Where I think that he believes that this is what's going to get him reelected, which is, I mean, that's that's pretty that's pretty dark. It is. I mean, could it be? So I'm trying to think of what would be the good reason. I mean, could it be he thinks that his party having power, that they can do such good things when they have power that. That his party having power is so important that eh, if he gives up a little bit of his integrity, to or a lot of his integrity yeah. to get it there, or or either side. I mean, can they get there? Can it be like my party being in power is so important to this good end of whatever that good end is that you, you know that I, I can subvert I, my integrity for that. You know, I I, I heard a quote today uh, in a meeting that I had before I got here that is so apropos for what you just said. And I can't remember the author of the quote and forgive me because I usually like to give the, the, the proper respect. But the quote is you should do the you've got to be able to do the right things, but you got to be able to do the right thing the right way. And so if Lindsey Graham and others believe that being in, in charge is is important, and I'm not saying that it's not, I don't want to diminish what it means to be in, in political power in this country. Cause I, I'm not so naive to not understand, but you got to be there the right way. In my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Um, this country is an idea. It literally is an idea, man. This whole thing's an experiment, what we're doing over here. Um, and what we're seeing in my opinion are the flaws in that experiment and what, what we had hoped, right. Is that when you had, something like this occur 
with a president who, you know, frankly, either believes he's a dictator or a king that the Congress would stand in the way. Yeah. Regardless of that's the party. Their job, yeah. That's their job. And you that's know, why Nixon resigned because his own party began to say, "Hey, this is that, not that, good." That's right. To, to 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 see for me to see what is occurring, you know, sadly with the Republican Party, and I have good friends of mine that are Republicans. It is heartbreaking to me, man. It yeah. really is because I think we need both parties to yeah, talk against you, each absolutely. other. It's important. Yeah, you absolutely. We 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 do need. And, and and deserve this country a genuine dialogue yeah. of a, a, a and and a and a, a difference of opinion right that's a healthy thing but it, it has to be with truth and and uh, sacrificing you know your integrity the way that I'm watching a guy like Lindsey Graham do I just don't know how you sleep I couldn't sleep yeah I really couldn't I would I would be sick to my stomach because you know and I think I said this last time on your show when we when we talked about Trump. You know, and I'll, and I think I said on the show last time, hey, when he does good things, I'm the first to say it. Right. Hey, yeah. Hey, man, the guy hasn't, he hasn't screwed everything up. And, you know, it comes to the economy. He's doing, I'm, I'm good with that. He didn't go to war with Iran, which I was very happy about. Yeah, he didn't go to war with Iran. I mean, you know, so, you know, I'm not saying everything he, he did was wrong, but listen, we all know he's an embarrassment to the office of president. Mm. There isn't anyone that gets, unless, unless they have no respect for this country and what it means to be an American to say that he hasn't embarrassed the office of the president, right? And for for Congress to not stand up and want to protect the office of president from Donald Trump is stunning to me. Yeah, it just it just listen. You can. I, I asked a friend of mine is Republican. I said, you know. As a Republican, has Donald Trump done anything any other Republican wouldn't do? I mean, I'm talking about you know, appoint, judge George appointments. W., yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he you know he lowered taxes. He appointed you know, conservative judges, right? I mean, he really hasn't done anything so out of the norm for what would be considered you know Republican establishment. And he goes, well, no, he, yeah, everything he's done a Republican would do. So why not choose a different one that doesn't embarrass the office? That legitimately was my yeah. question. Like, I don't. I, I see Donald Trump as a when it comes to policy as a typical pre, con, Republican president, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, the 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 overarching uh, policy proposals are pretty standard, you know, for for a Republican. But any any Republican other than the one point two trillion of debt every year, I, well, I, yeah, that's that true. used well, he, to not be a Republican thing. But. Well, it, it used to not be, but you know, he needed he wanted, low, he wanted lower taxes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but I really thought I'm like, what happened to, like to the grand old party? I mean, at, what happened to just the dignity of being a Republican? And well, and, and I see it like I see it like this, and I and, and looking at it from a spiritual perspective. I mean, I hear from a lot of my Christian friends, he's going to appoint judges to the Supreme Court and to the lower courts that are going to going to oppose Roe v. Wade, and so. Yeah, I don't like his tweets, but boy, that's so important. And so that it's so to me, whenever you get into that means to an end, and from a spiritual pers- from a, from a spiritual perspective, when it's a means to an end, now I'm trusting in my ability to make something happen rather than I'm trusting in God's ability to 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 do what He's going to do. And I see a very similarity to to where the Pharisees were in the Bible, and and I and so I think that's what we're where we're at is. Is it's that that means to an end, or the other thing I always hear about is, you know, Hollywood and all those guys were putting us down, and Trump fights for us, you know. So it's again, it's kind of that poverty mentality you're talking about. It's mm-hmm. a victim mentality, and it's really where dictators come from. When you have a yeah. people that are living in this victimization, and they're looking for the strong man to come and say, "You're right. They're out to get you. Those people are out to get you, and I'm the one that can stop them." And so here's what you need to do to help me help you is you don't trust anybody else other than what I have to say or the media I tell you to follow. Yeah. And and just know that I'm the only one that can save you. And that's when things get really scary. I just don't I don't I have I don't understand how the faith community reconciles with a person that behaves this way. I mean I hear you about Roe v. Wade, but in my opinion any president any Republican conservative president would have done 
appointed the same judges that I mean, I, I, I am just I don't understand why it was that guy that is embarrassing this country and that party. The healing that America is going to have to come out, uh, come up under from our time with, with Donald Trump is tremendous. And I don't even think we can. I mean, historians will write about this time in American history. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are going to be very embarrassed. I do, too. I, I think history. Uh, or, 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 but, well, I hope they're embarrassed. I'm actually saying it I may hope, take generations for us. To yeah, get the, I, kind of I, the McCarthy era. Thing. Yeah, I hope people are embarrassed because I think that will restore faith for me in the country that, you know, I think we all know what we're watching. And half of us have just said, yeah, but that's OK. Yeah. We literally Donald Trump has normalized what otherwise would be considered bizarre behavior from a president. Yeah. I mean, I, I often say and everyone says it. Imagine if Barack Obama had acted that way. Can you imagine how Republicans would have? I mean, it just it it just the hypocrisy of it to me is stunning. Um, If Barack Obama or any Democratic president would have, you know, behaved the way that Trump behaves, lies the way that he lies and, you know, just embarrasses this country the way that he has. Mm you know, on a global stage. I don't, I don't know. I wanted to play a sound clip. And as we're recording this, the first day of the live open impeachment hearings has taken place and neither of us have had a chance to delve into it. So we're not going into that, but I, I did get this sound of, of our local Congressman, Devin Nunes, who's the ranking minority member on the, on the committee doing the trial today. Um, and, And this was his opening statement there. What we will witness today is a televised theatrical performance staged by the Democrats. Ambassador Taylor and Mr. Kent, I'd like to welcome you here. I'd like to congratulate you for passing the Democrat Star Chamber auditions held for the last weeks in the basement of the Capitol. It seems you agreed, witting or unwittingly, to participate in a drama. But the main performance, the Russia hoax, has ended, and you've been cast in the low-rent Ukrainian sequel. So you were talking about guys that seem like they don't want to hear any facts, that they've determined yeah. the outcome before it happens, and that's that's my congressman. Yeah, that 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 is just, you know, I, I actually met Devin Nunes a, a number of times, and it's sad to hear. It's really sad, man. I don't even I don't even have words to. I I don't. I'm just. I don't even know what to do. I, it, it's depressing sometimes. I, I try not to listen to it all day every day because I really do get sad because I remember taking an oath of office and being an elected official and the way I approached that work. You know the integrity I had to have to do it in order to sleep at night. I can't even put into words and to hear. You know, uh, a guy I actually know just, you you know, um, I don't even know what to say, man. He just it's (laughs) embarrassing. It it really it really is. And and, and this is one of these things where where I think um, I listened to probably one of the most profound times of my life. I listened to um, uh, Peggy Wallace, who's the the daughter of George Wallace, uh, have to. And I won't go into the long story, but she apologized on for all those that don't know governor wallace was the governor back in 1960 uh, 64 65 it says segregation now segregation today segregation forever yeah uh you know he was a, a big segregationist governor of alabama stood on the steps stood on the, of the steps University of the capitol of alabama yeah. stood on the steps of the Cam- capitol yeah. yeah stood on the steps of the capitol so i i happened to be able to uh be at an event where she stood on the very same steps and welcomed the delegation of uh obviously all people to the state capitol having to telling a story where she had to explain to her son why her grand why his papa Mm. said those things and i have to apologize for him you know it was at the time i was elected and i thought to myself i don't ever want my kids to have to apologize for me yeah Wow, to be good. so far on the wrong side of history. And I listen to guys like Lindsey Graham, Devin Nunes and the like and what they're doing right now. And their kids are going to have to apologize for them. And it's going to be awful. You know, it, it's going to be awful. And I think about 
some of these people that are die, you know, defending Trump diehard, even though they know he's wrong. We know he's wrong. If anyone tells you that he's not wrong, they're lying to themselves. They're not even lying. They're not even lying to me. They literally (laughs) are lying to themselves. You know, one day they're going to feel ashamed. You know, history is not going to look kindly on this time in our in our in in American history. Uh, They're going to write about and I don't think it's going to be distant history either. You know, I hope not. I I think we'll still be alive. I think a lot's going to come out there. There's a lot we don't know. And I think it's going to be an embarrassing time for a lot of people, you know, to have to admit that they were voting and supporting Donald Trump, who uh, completely diminished the office of president while he was, you know, our president and uh, eroded our global standing. As we're taking a break, let me tell you about our Patreon page. If you like the message of the nonpartisan evangelical and like to see it get out and you'd like to know a little bit more inside of what we do. Join our Patreon page, the NPE Patreon at patreon.com slash NPE podcast. Or you can go to the npepodcast.com website, hit that partner with us button. And this is where you can help support this creative endeavor financially for just $12.99 a month. Sign up. I will send you an autographed copy of my book. When Joseph comes to town, when the religious right goes religiously wrong. And I would love to do that. Also, you get some interviews with my wife and I that are special to just the patrons of Patreon. And just want you to be able to help us out. You can get in for as little as $5.99 a month. Or if you really want to help us out, there's a couple of other levels, $26.99 or $100. And I want you to join. Go to the website, npepodcast.com. In fact, go right now. We'll pause the podcast. We'll get there. npepodcast.com. Click on that partner with us button. Sign up for the $12.99 a month or above, and you will have an autographed copy of my book coming your way and to help keep this message going out to the world that, hey, There is a different way to think out there, everybody. We can be better than what we're doing. So I really appreciate you guys that are already the patrons out there. Uh, You're amazing people. And a shout out to all of them, Ed and Janae and the Huffmans and all of those who have signed up. We love you guys. In fact, next podcast, I'll list all of you if you just go sign up. NBEpodcast.com, partner with us button. That's what it is on the nonpartisan evangelical. All right, always a treat to have Oliver Baines with us on the show and really appreciate his insight, his heart, and uh, the great things he's doing for the community. And so what I want to talk with you about now, and I would love to have your comments, thoughts, have you chime in, jump in, anything you want to jump into on our website, npepodcast.com. would love your comments. And so uh, Oliver and I were addressing what, what I call a political spirit or a political mindset. It's a mindset that says, I have to defend my side, my ideology, my tribe at all costs. Every decision I make has to fit into my ideological and religious grid or else it can't be true. It can't be right. Um, I see this rampant in the evangelical church right now. Um, like we said, the, the ends to the means, uh, or the means to the end, I should say, that that banning abortion is so important, I will defend everything the president does and everything the Republican Party does at all costs. I will give up my integrity to get us there. It was, it was a really dangerous thing when it's happened in the past, and it's dangerous now. So how do we avoid this? And let me give you uh, sort of my take on how we do that. First is we risk trusting people that we don't want to trust. Um, my wife, and, and I'm sorry if this is redundant. Some of you, I still have a lot of new people coming to the podcast. My wife was an elected official. She was a two-term mayor of Fresno. She ran for statewide office in California and deals with elected officials up and down the state. And part of my job, my role with her in all of that was is, is this. I, I pull her out of the politics. We think politics is bad. Government is great. Um, good government bringing justice is great. And so my job was to pull her out of the politics. I, honey, that sounds a little political to me. And here's how we would do it. We had a saying 
the Bible has a has a verse that says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities of the air. In, in us, we're not wrestling against people. We're wrestling against a spirit or a mindset. We're, we're wrestling at that. And so out of that, our saying was, what if the person on the other side of this issue isn't evil or stupid? What if they're not evil or stupid? What if they just have a different belief system? And so every time there was a conflict, we'd say, okay, what if they're not evil or stupid? Where would they be coming from? So, you know, so the, the thing is, what I see in the evangelical church is we assume if somebody stands against a Republican president or a Republican elected official, where they, then obviously they're for murdering babies and they're for taking away everybody's rights and they're elitist and they, they call us bad names and they run movies that make my kids cuss. And, and, and we go into this major victim mindset that says everybody who disagrees with us has to be evil. And then and then the president and other candidates are able to play up on that. You know, this idea of now you can say Christmas is is ludicrous, guys. Ludicrous. This idea of, of persecution is now going to go away. You know, first off, God never promised that there wouldn't be persecution. In fact, he said, they hated you, they'll hate me. So that's, that's part of the deal you signed up for as a Christian. And secondly, what I, what I hear a lot of times at what we call persecution in the church is really just human response to jerks. <laughs> we, we go out and act like jerks and then people respond like, ooh, that's gross. And then, and then we go, persecution, persecution. I wanted to go into the school and, and uh, you know, carry my cross through the school and they wouldn't let me because, well, it's just illegal. And, and then we proclaim persecution. And sometimes persecution is just a response to us being jerks. What if the people who disagree with us aren't evil or stupid? They're just reacting to us being a little bit overbearing. Romans 12, 2 uh, says that we should not be conformed to the age. I would, to me, what that is, don't be conformed to the going mindset around you. Get out of your bubble. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can know the good and perfect will of God. What that verse is saying in my mind is you've got to get out of your bubble, have your belief system challenged by people who don't agree with you, love people who are on the other side of of the issue, and get out of this ridiculous idea that we're supposed to tell people, you're commanded by the Bible to pray for and honor the president, and if you're not doing that, you're evil and horrible, when we would never... Never say that about Barack Obama. Even more so, we would never say that about Governor Newsom of California and certainly not Speaker Nancy Pelosi. And don't tell me I'm wrong. I I talk to you guys on Facebook all the time. I have friends. I've never heard one of my Christian friends say, wow, we... We've just really got to honor and pray for Speaker Nancy Pelosi. I'm, I'm talking about my evangelical friends. I just really have a heart to pray for her. I've heard them say, let's pray that she would get saved and stop being evil. But the, the hypocrisy of you have to pray for Donald Trump, and if you say anything negative about him, you're in violation of the Bible. And then being able to denigrate my state of California the governor of my state, and uh, any of the representatives from my state, Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi, you're in a political spirit. You've partnered with something not from heaven. That's one way to get out of the, out of the political spirit is start to think, what if people who disagree with me aren't evil or stupid? Secondly, is uh, my, my advice for Christians is, where in the Bible... Is your behavior supported? Read the Gospels and how Jesus lived and tell me. In fact, I would love it if you come in the comments and say, show me, show me verses in the Gospels of Jesus' life that support the fact that he would be this extremist, radical, right-wing, evangelical Christian who supported Trump no matter what. 
by the way, I, I just I have to keep backing up and saying this. I've been sharing this message long before I ever knew Donald Trump would ever run for office at all. In fact, I thought Donald Trump was a Democrat like everybody else did and right up until he started running for president as a Republican. So this is not about Donald Trump. This is about the spirit that brings Donald Trump's into the world. This is about a victim spirit that says, I need this strong man. And even if he's kind of gross and disgusting and I have to give up my integrity to follow him, I will do it because I'm such a victim to the world. And show me where Jesus supports that in the gospel, where you can see. I've heard some people say, uh, oh, turning over the tables. That's That wasn't. That was Jesus saying, hey, you're withholding grace from people, religious guys. That was in the church. Whenever... He was challenged by the Pharisees who had that same victim mentality. These Romans are mean to us. Come on, Jesus, partner with us in saying mean things about the Romans because they're mean to us. He would say, nah, I'm not going to do it. Nope, not going to partner with that. I'm more powerful than that. The kingdom advancing will take care of that. The, the, the gospel being shared with the world, justice coming, people being loved, that will change everything. So I'm not going to partner with you guys in this victim mentality. Find that comment you make on Facebook backed up by what Jesus did in the Gospels. Yes, he did point fingers at religious leaders who were politically partnered and said, you guys are whitewashed tombs. Yes, he will say that to religion and religion that is partnered with partisanship. Absolutely. I think he would be way more concerned were Jesus in on earth in the flesh today with what Jerry Falwell Jr. is doing and Franklin Graham than he would be concerned about what Nancy Pelosi or Adam Schiff are doing. I fully believe that. His critique would be for the church and for religious leaders. You can you can read that in my book if you haven't read my book yet. Joseph comes to town when the religious right goes religiously wrong. You'll see what, what my, uh, my belief of what Jesus would say if he were on earth today. So, Dig into scripture. Find where it backs up your political position. So when you start reading, you're going to start reading these verses about blessed are the peacemakers and I'm mad at you because you're not taking care of the poor and foreigners, that it's going to be hard to line it up with what you're doing. And finally, check yourself to see if you're not caught in something generational. I'm writing a blog that I'm going to be releasing soon about the Israelites on the side of the Jordan River. They've been traveling for two years on foot, and now they're right at the edge of getting their promise. The promise is right in front of them. God's going to take them into the promised land, and they don't get to go. Why? Because they've been under the lash of the, the slave owner's whip for so long. They've been in survival mode and victim mode for so long. They've survived for two years with food falling from the sky that they have no ability to change their mindset. And God says, oh, wow, this generation can't think differently than they've always thought. So I guess we're just going to have to wait till this generation passes away and the next generation will get the promise. And I see a generation, my wonderful baby boomer friends, you guys have been in this political evangelical partnership for so long, you think it's all there is to know. And God is saying, if you'll come out of that mindset, if my people called by my name will humble themselves, not humble those people out there we can condemn. He says, if my people called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, pray, turn from their wicked ways. Not those people out there turn from their wicked ways. God's people turn from their ways. Jesus said to James and John, who wanted to blow up a city that rejected Jesus, you don't know the spirit you are of. Turn from that wicked way to my way. Because if you're a means to an end person that says, I have to support the Republican Party no matter what, or the Democratic Party, no matter what. Because it's the means to the good end that I want to get to. Now you're in a political mindset. Now you're in that partnership with something not from heaven that Jesus wants to call you out from. If you say, yes, I wish the president wouldn't tweet, but, but those Supreme Court judges are so important that I'm going to give up my integrity. 
Oliver Baines, we were just talking with, said, in a generation, people are going to have to face the decisions they make today. In the 50s, we had the McCarthy era where we were so afraid that we gave up our integrity to try to keep our safety. And I believe we're in a very similar era where people are willing to give up their integrity, follow things that are not who they are for their own personal safety, some for personal greed of the economy, some for, I love the military, I love Israel, I, love, I, I will give up my personal integrity. See that. So when I say these things a lot, I get people who want to question my my integrity, my purpose, my motives rather than deal with the content. And so your response when you hear these three things that I'm saying, you're either going to be defensive and say, well, who are you to say that? Or you have the chance to say, I don't think Paul's evil or stupid. In fact, maybe he's kind of smart. I know he loves God. I know he's a Christian. I think he's going to go to heaven. I think he's going to go to heaven. Maybe not. <laughs> Some of the things he says. But if he is, is there something, God, that you want me to consider that maybe there's another way to think than I've always been thinking? Don't be conformed to the age around you. Don't be conformed to the bubble in which you live. Don't be conformed to the same old websites that you go to day after day, to the same old partisan media that you go to day after day, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the challenging of your belief system so that you may truly know the will of God. Don't be conformed to your bubble, but be transformed by challenging what you believe so you can truly know what truth is and value truth. Don't value your tribe. Don't value the ability to point at those people and say they're bad. Value truth from heaven and the truth will set you free. Thanks for listening. It is my honor to share with you on the Nonpartisan Evangelical. And that'll do it for us on the Nonpartisan Evangelical for this episode. Love for your comments, your likes, your shares. Let us know what you're thinking out there. I truly bless you. No matter what side of the aisle you're on, no matter how political you are, even if you're one of those crazy ones out there. Nah, you know I love you. NPEpodcast.com. Click on the Partner With Us button to join us on Patreon. Give me your email on our insiders list. That's it for NPE, the nonpartisan evangelical.